Welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And absent tonight, but here in spirit, is super producer Riley Bray, whose dulcet, ambient music you'll be hearing later in this episode, of course. Uh, no, Riley is never absent from an episode of the show. This is true. No, he always has work to do. So whether he's here or not, he was yeah. going to hear this show. He will be part of the show. Speaking of being part of the show, I want to thank all of our new listeners who have found us over the past month. We've noticed we've got a bunch of new listeners. Uh, a lot of you guys have been hitting us up on uh, over at BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com, sending in your listener stories for our Elf Files episodes. Nice. That's awesome saying that you found us through uh, Distractable, which is kick-ass. So thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you. Yes. Yeah, what a great way to kick off 2023. And we've got an amazing guest for you this week. If you are uh, familiar with any of Q Code or Wood Elves, podcast and you might be familiar with her work this week's guest is the host of the q code podcast the afternoon special the show that covers everything in pop culture that you never knew to ask about but need the answers to club scouts of all timelines please welcome to the show bobby miller Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Oh, so happy to be here. Bobby, I, of course, was uh, recently a guest on the afternoon special last fall. I had a wonderful time with you. And I know, uh, after doing your show, that you're a big supernatural fan of supernatural stuff in pop culture. That's correct. Yes, big fan. Great, so what, perfect. Yeah, what kind of, for our listeners, what kind of stuff are you into? Um, I tend to just frequent, like, well, when you came on my show, we talked about vampires, and so that's, like, my favorite supernatural thing. Mm. Um, I, like, any, most vampire things, I'm, like, I'm on board. Um, but I can do, like, like ghosts I'm on board with, but ghosts don't really, like, scare me or anything like that. Um, <laughs> what about a vampire ghost? No, that could work. I, <laughs> I think I would be on board with that. But I'm a big scaredy cat otherwise, but I, I appreciate the supernatural. I respect it. Awesome. What would a vampire's ghost's powers be? Is he a ghost that drains your blood through just vibes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I must use vibes and not my teeth. It's probably like an energy vampire, I would I would guess, maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. I but I, I also like the idea of like maybe the blood just comes out in a fine just, mist. You just know, osmosis. And the, yeah, and then they just become like a misty red ghost. Just and that's how you can tell that they they need blood because they go from like white, you know, they go from red to white. If they're if they're full red uh, I like that. Then they're good to go for a little while. This is a good story. Someone guys write it I down. Think, I think we need to uh get off this call right now and start a <laughs> yeah. little And the title's room. not bad either. 
ghost vampire. It there works. you go. I love Open it. Open audience. <laughs> also, the because it's a romance, most vampires are involved with romances these days. Mm-hmm. It's also a ghost vampire that's notorious for ghosting his lovers, his or hers lovers. Uh, so good, good, good. Gen so, Z layer on there. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. You gotta make it modern. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he's you have to give the vampire like something to overcome, you know, beyond just their disposition. <laughs> Some type of adversity really mm-hmm. is necessary. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Bobby, where are you from? Where did you grow up? What is your what is your personal paranormal history? How did you get into vampires? And uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that scares you and whether or not you've ever had uh, uh, been in a, in, a, in a situation that you could not explain. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, not like I wouldn't say the spookiest place in the world, but um, I feel like I've heard most of like supernatural things in Georgia tend to happen in Savannah, Yep. Um, which mm. I've never been to, but I would sure like to go. But I don't have the most extensive supernatural history. I think when something like feels supernatural, I heard it, but I didn't hear it. You know what I mean? Like I <laughs> don't need to... Um, ruffle any supernatural feathers is that because you're too scared to learn anymore you're like i don't need to hear this right now pretty much Uh, going (laughs) off of just like the reputation of like you know black people in horror films and supernatural and the like uh we don't tend to last very long so i'm not (laughs) going to um i'm not gonna roll the dice with that you know yeah yeah, things so. thankfully I feel are evening out a little bit in the horror movie category now. Equal opportunity <laughs> yes, now, yeah. so great. <laughs> anyone could die in these movies now, <laughs> yeah. which is great. now anyone can be abducted. Yes, <laughs> it's so <laughs> yeah, yeah. diversity. Yeah, yeah, which is fantastic. But you said you were scared of a lot of stuff other than ghosts. What kind of like out of the cryptids, like Bigfoot? Or uh, Mothman. I don't know if you're familiar with Mothman. I am not, but that sounds terrifying because I am afraid of bugs. Mm-hmm. An interdimensional bug being from West Virginia in the 60s flew around, red eyes, scared a lot of people. Huge quads, six Big foot quads, five, real, muscles. real leg lifter. Yeah, real leg okay, lifter. From so what like, we've kind of hot, kind of hot. Yeah, kind of like. <laughs> A kind of like a uh, a Batman figure, but probably no man, just sort of just bug, bat just the or bat. moth. Yeah, just the bat. Which is, I don't know why they didn't call Mothman Batman because he does actually resemble more of a bat than a moth, I think, or an owl. That's fair. That's fair. Um, most things I'm scared of. I think I would say um, my biggest fear are like like knives. Not a big fan of big mm. knives. Obviously, most horror movies I cannot do. Um, things that I can hear first before I see them, um, which is strange because E.T. the Extraterrestrial is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it is, you hear E.T. before you see him. Um, yeah. A lot of, like, both all of your, like, basic fears, I have all of those. So, like, <laughs> bugs, heights, giants, 
scary sounds Gi- nice. Wait, <laughs> giants. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I don't know if giants is at the top of most people's list. What giants are you scared of? You're not talking to the right people, Michael. Giants are scary. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because I'm 5'2", so everything's like super big to me. But giants are scary, and they're on the list. I get. Look, I'm not knocking giants. They are uh, formidable at adversaries in fairy tales. But when you say you're scared of giants, what what are you picturing? I think a couple weeks ago, a friend introduced me to a Cthulhu, like the monster. Yeah, and mm. I HP saw. Lovecraft. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm not a fan of that. I think something like looming to the point where no matter where I look, I can see it. Not a big fan. Not a big fan. Yeah, that giant thing fascinates me because there's this whole sort of like historic lore about, uh, you know, possible giants that have been buried throughout the continental United States in these in these sort of mounds, uh, you know, and and, and there is some pretty good evidence, whether it comes from don't laugh, Michael, uh, newspaper articles or evidentiary type stuff. But, uh, you know, the Bible talks about it. These these giants that inhabited the world. And uh, they had like double rows of teeth and an extra digit, and they could just, you know, pick you up and and crush your skull within their mouth. And that does not sound fun. I don't know. I feel vindicated in my fear of giants now. (laughs) I was a little lukewarm on it before, but now I feel really Oh, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't know if I'm behind where all this giant talk is leading, but they are, I will say they are scary. Mm, I just yeah. love that it was the third thing that you you listed. <laughs> I think it just was like that was subconscious. Like front of my mind, I was like, okay, I'm afraid of heights, I'm afraid of knives, I'm afraid of like, you know, things that go bump in the night. But then something mm. from my subconscious was like giants too. Say that. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. So what are these stories? What kind of stories would you hear growing up um that you were like, no, 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 I don't I don't need to pay attention to this. Was there any like local folklore i know he said elena wasn't too active necessarily but like what what was in the air what kind of stuff were you picking up when you were growing up oh that's a good question um i mean i grew up in the suburbs so like you know suburban fears are not exactly the same as like rural fears or like you know like inner city fears or anything like that but i think just like general talks about you know like bloody mary like you say her name three times in the mirror oh yeah um like Michael the, did that. Michael and Riley did that. Uh, did it? Uh, I wouldn't I, do it. I would. I was like, no, hell no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not. I don't know. Like, the mirror is like I'm looking at myself. I don't want to feel terrified. And then mm. I go and say some random woman's name three times, and now she's like cooped up in my house. No thanks. Um, I think mainly like the biggest thing was for whatever reason was like like some variation of like a boogeyman in your in your house so like in mm-hmm. a closet or under the bed um or like if you hang your foot off the bed like a monster's going to come and like grab it that type of thing was like pretty consistent like growing up but nothing too central location wise even though in i am in the suburbs but like we're completely surrounded by woods so shockingly nothing like you know like bigfoot came up when i was a kid Mm. but i don't know this is funny we haven't talked a whole lot about the boogeyman 
on Bigfoot Collectors Club. And sure. this is this is a folk figure that everyone grew up with. You know, the boogeyman is gonna get you. But right. I don't I didn't ever have a strong sense of what the boogeyman or who the boogeyman was. Like I'm interested in what both of you guys pictured in your minds when you heard when you heard the boogeyman. Well, and what does it mean to be got? You know, because I yeah, I hear that too. The boogeyman will get you, but what does it mean to be got? Like, is he gonna like possess you? Is he gonna like devour you? Or is he gonna like, you know, I don't know. I, I have a lot of questions about that myself. That's very true. Like, and it could be something as nice as like, oh, he gets you, but he just like wants to hang out. Because yeah. I'm sure being a monster is like not like the best for his social life. Yeah, the boogeyman was just looking life. for friends and he had like a really ironic sense of humor and he could appreciate people that were like a little bit different. That's the way I mean, like, we're judging the boogeyman, I but know. he's, he's just, like, No, I'm not gonna get you, but I get you. That everybody get gets it you. wrong, and that's why I'm so alone. People read it wrong. <laughs> when you I'm write it down. Man. Listen, man, I get you. I get it. The boogeyman is going to get you. That's what it's supposed to be. You're not alone anymore. That's why I'm trying to come to you in the middle of the night when you're alone and sad in your room. I'm going to get you. Mm. That's. It was just he wrote it down. And so if someone read it, it's like a read read type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> the PR was bad on it. I think that boogeyman thing, too, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, And, and you said, like, under the bed. And in the closet, and and still to this day, every night before I go to bed, I will make sure the closet doors are all the way shut in my room, mm. in my kids' room. Uh, and I don't know what that is, but I, I I wonder I wonder if I think that boogeyman has something to do with like under the bed, in the closet, getting you while you're like at your most vulnerable, sleeping. I wonder if there's any sort of relation to like shadow people. Uh, what's your take on on the boogeyman, Michael? Are these things different or? I don't know. I mean, I, I think boogeyman comes from uh, boger or bogart, which is like mm. a spirit from, I think, in like old English or old European. So it's just like a general spirit uh, spirit, yeah. Yeah, we covered a little bit of this uh, recently on the other side, but I, but the boogeyman itself just seems to be a catch-all term. But I like the idea that the boogeyman is like waiting in the little empty spaces that you leave unguarded. You know, that's mm-hmm. if we're like pitching supernatural superpowers tonight, like that would be the boogeyman can like occupy those slight like. The boogeyman could be in a shoebox if you left it empty or left the lid off. You know, the boogeyman right. is in the cupboard that you don't close all the way or the drawer that you don't shut. I like I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. It could also be where you place your fear. You know, if you place your fear under the bed, then then that opens an opportunity for the boogeyman to inhabit it. I like that as well. This is getting like this feels like a therapy session. I feel like I'm starting to unpack some stuff. <laughs> right now. Oh, Good. we're only getting started, yeah. Bobby. <laughs> yeah, so we haven't even started. In. Haven't even started recording yet. Oh, I always pictured the boogeyman being like a alabaster white old bald man mm. with like like very gaunt features, almost golem esque, but. He was going to, his mission was to, like, kidnap kids. Mm. Yeah. That's terrifying. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You're, you're right. There's something about taking you away, too. I, I, I think that that's a part of it, too, is, like, you know, especially when you're a child, you don't want to be sort of 
you know, abducted by by something that you know inhabits your room and, and takes you away from your loved ones. But there does <laughs> seem to be that connection of 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 uh, making you go away forever, <laughs> you know. And uh, mm-hmm. that's a terrifying thought. It's very terrifying. Also, kind of like an annoyed parent's secret wish in that moment, like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. Parents are the boogeyman. Like, yeah, go to bed or I'm going to get you. Boogeyman, please take my child. Fingers crossed. The night's the night. <laughs> you find out that your like parents are like leaving little little shoes and like little little like trinkets outside to attract the boogeyman to come get come get their kids. Mm-hmm. Like offerings. Yeah, like lunchables <laughs> and little backpacks. You know. <laughs> Ah, uh, Lunchables. So oh good. Gosh. I feel like the boogeyman in my head looked like any, like, last pop culture monster that I saw. Mm. So, like, if I was watching Scooby-Doo or something, like, a monster from Scooby-Doo would be the boogeyman in my head. Um, it would just be, like, the last scariest thing that I saw. So it was, like, constantly evolving to keep up with my fears. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I do, too. Shape-shifting to, yeah, to match whatever is the scariest thing uh, in your mind, what? Let's real quick. W- scariest Scooby Doo monsters from memory, like top scary Scooby Doo monster. Mm, I think the one. I don't know if it was in the show. I think actually it was in the show, but it was just like a guy in like one of those like old school like scuba suits that would have the big yep. dome heads. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think it's the like no face of it all. And he wouldn't speak. He would just kind of like, Ugh. like he would just kind of like, it's like post-verbal, like no talking, you know? Um, so there's no way to communicate like, ah, stop to him. Like he's not here for it. Um, you can't even make eye contact. No, eye, no eyes, no eyes, no face, nothing. Um, but I think, and he would like kind of move slowly. And I think he had a, at least in Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, um, fantastic film uh he had a harpoon as a Mm -hmm. weapon Mm -hmm. of choice which is just objectively terrifying so that's the scariest one to me bryce do you have a scooby-doo no i'm just impressed that you were able to pull off that answer i can't think of a single (laughs) fucking scooby-doo monster oh man that robot the robot from the opening Mm. credits of the old school cartoon that had the glowing red eyes and again kind of like the scuba monster like very not a lot of humanity there just cold doesn't really talk that thing was terrifying kind of looks like a sentinel from the x-men but like you know person sized mm-hmm. still gives me the creeps mm. who do you think bobby is the ultimate pop culture monster good question oh gosh that's very hard cuz i mean it depends on like like, there are, like, lovable monsters, and then there are, like, intended to be scary monsters. And then, like, where do aliens fit in that? Like, are aliens monsters? I mm. would say yes. Well, if aliens are monsters, I mean, I'm biased, but I would say E.T. Like, that's the definitive, Great. yeah, like, pop culture monster. Also he's scary, terrifying. But lovable. Yeah. Terrifying. terrifying. But once you get to know him, he's like the boogeyman. It's just the PR is bad. That's the issue. Yeah. A lot of these monsters just have really bad PR. And I'm here to correct E.T.'s PR. He's not that We've bad. done some unpacking of E.T. on this podcast over the years. And I think the thing that freaks you out when you when you were a little... Like, I, Bryce and I saw this movie 
You're too young, Bobby. But we saw it in the theaters, and I was four mm-hmm. years old when this thing came out. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I think because the scene where Elliot meets E.T. is played like a horror scene. You know, where it he is. goes, he throws the ball into the oh, garden into shack the shed. and it rolls back out. And, you know, and he's going through the cornfield. No. And E.T.'s first appearance is a jump scare. Mm-hmm. And they're both terrified. So I mm-hmm. think there was this weird thing set in your brain as a little kid where you're first taught to be scared of E.T. And then he turns great. Yeah. And then he starts to die in front of you. So, like, there's never a point in the movie where you can really trust what's going on with this little guy. Oh, my God. That That is... That is very fair. I think the scariest part of that movie is when he is dying and he turns like an ash yeah. white and he's mm. laying in the He looks like an old dog tree. turd laying in the creek and it is the most terrifying thing you've ever seen. While he's like cosmically linked with this boy who's uh-huh. also dying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe I need to. Yeah. You can't e. trust him. He keeps, once you think you have E.T. figured out. He changes on you. And then, at the end of the movie, he just becomes Jesus. So it's very strange. <laughs> right. You know? God. It's like, wait, now? No, wait, you can die and be resurrected? Okay, now what's happening? I don't get you. You know what? We need the boogeyman because I don't get you, E.T. <laughs> <laughs> I remember coming out of the theater, my dad holding me and, and just bawling. Just bawling. <laughs> Wait, you I or was, your dad or both? Me, me. Oh, yeah. He was uh, yeah, I was like in total tears. You know, and it's funny that that scene with the baseball that came out of the shed. My dad had a shed like that and I was scared of his shed. So I I felt like I was crying because I missed I, I was sad for ET and I was also crying cuz I had to go back to my dad's house where that same <laughs> shed existed. And I was like, "No!" <laughs> But it was pretty horrifying, you know, Bobby. I don't know if you if you if you know that, but uh, know this. But we've talked a little bit about this as well. The story of ET kind of evolved and stemmed from an actual case uh, that took place out of Kentucky uh, called the Hopkinsville Goblin case, and it sort of evolved into this movie that became E.T. Spielberg wanted to to write about uh, the these goblin cases, but it ended up, uh, you know, being transformed into this story of, of a boy's relationship with uh, with an alien. And uh, but it but it is uh, it is pretty fascinating that that story actually comes from a real monster or, or goblin, um, whatever that means. But um, I thought that was interesting. That is really interesting. I've always like. The only thing I've heard about the origins of E.T. is like, oh, like it was a story for Spielberg to kind of like work through his parents' divorce and like Mm. the very like emotional bits of it. But uh, to know that it's based off of something real makes it scarier. But instead of a little boy making friends, it's a bunch of hillbillies shooting at it with shotguns. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Was there any any local... Uh, monster that you heard about, like, oh, if you go down to this bridge or you go to this place at night, this ghost will show up. Any haunted houses in your neighborhood that you ever heard about growing up? Ooh, 
not really, which sucks because like I wish I w- I probably would have had a much more exciting childhood if there was you like You didn't have a complete childhood unless there was a haunted house in your neighborhood, Bobby. I know. It was I did just, I think because like a lot of like because when I was growing up, like we had social media, we had all of these like devices to debunk all of these like urban legends and stuff Mm. like by the time i was growing up there was the fun was ruined like we were all too jaded to believe in depends on what corners of the internet you're you're using your device that is very true (laughs) that is very true only amplified some of these things in other corners of the internet that is fair but at least for for my little corner of the internet where i was like growing up like we didn't really have anything uh, like that I think a lot of the fears that we had were like real things that had happened like mm-hmm. you know murders and whatnot uh so that's a fear but not a monster so mm. well depends on the way you look at it isn't it <laughs> darn so yeah. I wish I had a story about a monster no worries killers. <laughs> hey we'll, we'll all go to Savannah together maybe we 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 need a ghost tour the BCC needs a, 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 a traveling ghost tour we should record we should record an episode in a Savannah graveyard like one of the cemeteries because those are supposed to be super super hard. that would be cool hey, I I will make myself available I'm down nice. all right all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna play our uh, favorite game with Bobby and get into this week's topic of high strangeness. Okay, Bobby, we have a game that we like to play with all of our guests. I'm going to go down a list of phenomenon. Okay. Phenomena. And I've kind of... Okay, so like we got into a little bit of a debate on this. Sidebarring real quick, Bryce... When we had Ryan Gall on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about it and listening back to that episode. And, you know, I was like, if you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. And that's kind of the way I have framed this game for the past five years. But I think really what it is, if you have to make a rash decision one way or or another you got like for lack of a better term if there was a gun to your head and you had to be like i believe it or i don't believe it you know that's what this game is what does your gut say let's take the thinking out of it let's Mm. get back to there's no guns but let's get back to the rapid fire whatever comes to you in the moment and we can still circle back and unpack something if we need to sure okay yeah so bobby we're gonna go down a list and and if you if you believe it, you're gonna say believe it. If you don't believe it, you're gonna say bullshit. All right? Okay. This is a game that we call bullshit or believe it. All right, we're gonna go fast. Okay. We're shaking it up in 2023. We've gotten a little too liberal with this game. I think you were right, Bryce. <laughs> we're getting I'm doubling down. I'm getting more hardcore about BS Good. or BI. All right, here we go. Good. Okay. Uh Bobby Miller, on your mark. Get set ghosts. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. UFOs. Believe it. Mothman. Uh, bullshit? Curses. Believe it. Possessed dolls. Believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. Believe it. The Hollow Earth. Bullshit. I don't know what that is. There are alien constructs on the moon. Uh, Bullshit. Psychic visions. Believe it. Dreams are really other realities, and when you fall asleep, you visit them. 
Believe it. Time travel. Believe it. Bending spoons with your mind. Bullshit. Entities from other dimensions visit our world. Believe it. Pets see spirits. Believe it. Tarot cards. Believe it. The Loch Ness Monster. Believe... Bullshit. The government is hiding the truth about Roswell. Believe it. We are living in a simulation. Bullshit. You could outsmart a werewolf. <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> Planet Earth is a sentient macroorganism. Believe it. The universe is looking out for you. Believe it. And finally, do you remember the famous Bear family's last name spelled as Berenstein or Berenstain? Berenstein. All right, there you go. I still Nicely don't know if that done. last question should be in there, but you know what? I think that worked. That, that was great. great. No oh hemming or hawing, commitment all the way. Yeah. Uh, you, the one you you fumbled on a little bit was was the Loch Ness monster. I think. Yeah. Switch to a hard bullshit. Uh, that one's hard because I saw something like debunking it, and so I think that like worked its way into my brain, and it's what made me say bullshit. But there was a time in your life when you were like, you know what? I believe in Nessie. M- maybe. I did. Yeah. 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 Maybe. You know, here on the BCC, we debunk the debunkers. So we we can oh. get you back. We can get you back to Nessie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm all for, I mean, I'm open. I'm an open thinker. So uh any of those other ones jump out to you, Bryce? Uh I did like I did like how she uh I watched her mind work when she was like, could I outsmart a werewolf? And she's like, oh, fuck yeah, I could. <laughs> I mean, you've read a lot of books and seen a lot of movies with werewolves as characters, I assume. How would you outsmart a werewolf? Honestly, I think with all the vampire media I've seen and like the one natural like opponent to the to the vampire is the werewolf. I just feel like I could just take one of those like squeaky bones and just be like, here, here. And then like take it because they're dogs. Like that's what it is. They're just dogs. They are just dogs. I can outsmart a dog, I think. I went to college, you know, like I can figure that out. You just got to carry a bone with you into the woods. I I don't know. That's it. I'm in a daily battle with with one of my dogs every day. I, I don't know if I can say I'm smarter than her. One of them, I'm pretty sure we were fine, but the the other one, I uh, I don't know. She's she's definitely the boss of me. <laughs> I've got I've never had a dog, but I'm like, I've always been good around dogs. Like dogs don't dislike me, so I feel like a werewolf is just an evolution of that. One squeaky toy, and I've upsmarted it. Completely. I feel like a high voice would work. You know, like hey hey buddy hey yeah. Hey, what are you doing out here? No, don't show your teeth. No, 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 no. Hey, I'm your friend. Who's a good boy? Well, now That's I just want. I just want a werewolf movie uh, where the werewolf hunter just talks in a sweet, high pitched voice to all the werewolves. <laughs> I got Tell- this, you guys. Just watch me work. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> all right. Well done, Bobby. It's time for this week's. Would you say topic or story of high strangeness for this week? Yeah, you Bryce? know, let's stick with the story. It's a story, or okay. you know, yeah, great, yeah. Okay. You know me, I, I'm I'm a little on the fringes, so uh, sometimes it can be a story, a topic, or a tiny little bio. Sometimes it's, it's gonna something. Be strange. Oh. <laughs> sometimes it's uh, a review that you looked up on Amazon to get an opinion on. <laughs> you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, good. Me too. 
Well, let's hear it, Bryce. Should I start? Okay, yes. is that my cue? <laughs> that was pretty much set you up for it. <laughs> Great. Here we go. All right. Now, it's a new year, Club Scouts. A time to reflect on the years past. A time to recommit to those things that compel us. A time of renewal. A time to rethink our concept of what we consider high strangeness. And so I offer you the psychology of the strange. Let us begin with a quote from J.B.S. Haldane, a British biochemist. Quote, The world is not only stranger than we suppose, it is stranger than we can suppose. Strange is defined as unusual or surprising in a way that is unsettling or hard to understand, not previously visited, seen, or encountered. Along our journey together, Club Scouts, we've come across some poignant voices within the world of the paranormal, voices who have prompted us to perhaps look this way instead of that. Voices like John Tenney, whom I admire greatly as not only a thinker on these topics of high strangeness, but as someone who walks the walk of the strange. Tenney has been kind enough to appear on our podcast a few times, and we were lucky enough to get him to play our little in-house game, which you just played, Bobby, Bullshit or Believe It. And I suppose I found it a little shocking that he called bullshit on just about all of it. What can I say? He's the yin to my yang, because as you know, I'm a believe it type of guy. Hell, I'm even willing to give mermaids their due. Well, guess what? I think we were both right. How comfortable are you with paradox, dear listener? You should be when discussing the strange, 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 strange. Paradox is defined as a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Due to the nature of my work as a Bigfoot hunter, I often get asked if I really believe in Bigfoot. And I thought a lot about that question. Believe you me, I have. And seeing as how it's a new year, I've come up with a new answer. Let's give it a try, shall we? Okay, Bryce, do you really believe in Bigfoot? Yeah, of course I do, man. Duh. Oh, come on, Bryce. It's me, Michael. Do you really believe in Bigfoot? Oh, no, absolutely not, man. Don't be ridiculous. Uh Uh-huh. And here's why. Because on the face of it, it's absurd. It's absurd to think that there is a giant primate roaming our forests at will. And not only our forests, but our swamps, meadows, even our flatlands across the Great Plains, hell, even Atlanta, all claiming to harbor a thousand pound missing link. And it's not just here in the good old US of A that all this occurs, but all over the world on just about every continent, from the frozen Himalayas to the jungles of South America, from the fertile lowlands of China to the Ural mountain ranges of Russia, even Australia's getting in on the mix. Crikey, or should I say, yowie. And it's not just one type of Bigfoot that gets reported either. It's all kinds of Bigfoots. <laughs> Big, little, red, brown, black, white, four-toed, three-toed, aggressive, passive, mind speaker, fire starter. The list goes on and on and on. It's the ultimate variety pack. In my humble opinion, this simply stretches the limit case for credulity. In other words, I'm not buying it. Not in the sense that we're told to buy it at least. How can this be? Exactly, what the hell's going on here? Let's examine further. We know so very little 
about the human mind and its potential capabilities. We scratch our heads to find the simplest solutions to our most complex problems. Our scientists tell us to use Occam's razor, which states that in trying to understand something, getting unnecessary information out of the way is the fastest way to the truth or to the best explanation. Well, good luck with that. How are we to define unnecessary information? Are glowing orbs unnecessary information? Are piloted light ships seen before or after a Bigfoot encounter unnecessary information? Is Bigfoot using ESP unnecessary information? I think not. In other words, there is no simple explanation for the Bigfoot phenomenon. Occam's razor will not work here. It will not get the job done. And so we must look for other solutions. And in so doing, we often grasp at and even accept stranger alternatives. Well, if Bigfoot's not some unconfirmed flesh and blood creature, then he must be some type of interdimensional interloper. Problem solved, right? Wrong. Look, I love the interdimensional portal hopping Bigfoot theory just as much as anybody else. Hell, I've been espousing it for the last five years. But I think this is just another way of trying to conveniently solve the problem or grasping at straws, so to speak. We know nothing of other dimensions, only that our quantum physicists tell us they may exist and that perhaps these dimensions can sometimes bleed over into our reality, which is also up for grabs, by the way reality who the fuck knows what that is reality itself is on shaky ground the reductionist materialist cuts and measures the smallest bits of matter we know of yet we somehow never get to the bottom of it we cut and measure cut and measure cut and measure but we never get to the prima materia it never ends ever there is no smallest bit of matter all we find is more space Let's do a little thought experiment, shall we? Bobby, Michael, you guys ready for this? Have you ever wondered why the Great Pyramid of Giza is missing its capstone? <laughs> I have. And man, those Egyptians really knew their shit. Well, now, wait a minute. Let Bobby yeah. have a moment to answer your question. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, Bobby, have you ever wondered why the Great Pyramid of Giza is missing the top or its capstone? I Yeah, I have. Good. Okay, great. <laughs> now, I want you guys to imagine the Great Pyramid in your mind's eye. Now I want you to place an imaginary capstone on top of the pyramid. Only the top of your imaginary capstone, which basically looks like a much smaller pyramid, also has no capstone. So now you'll need to place another imaginary capstone on top of the previous one, and so on and so forth. You could keep doing this forever, and perhaps you should tonight whilst trying to go to sleep. Now, to quote from the late great Manly P. Hall in his magnum opus, The Secret Teaching of All Ages, he tells us, quote, there's a curious tendency among the builders of great religious edifices to leave their creations unfinished, thereby signifying that God alone is complete. That capstone, if it existed, was itself a miniature pyramid, the apex of which again would be capped by a smaller block of similar shape and so on ad infinitum. The capstone, therefore, is the epitome of the entire structure. Thus, the pyramid may be likened to the universe and the capstone to man. <sighs> you mean the epitome of the epitome. entire structure? Epitome. That's some deep shit right there. But I digress. Let's get back to our furry forest friend, Mr. Bigfoot. 
Why do we so fervently believe in its existence? Perhaps it's because of the cornucopia of supposed evidence, the countless reports going back centuries, the footprints, the blurry photos, the hair and scat samples, the inconclusive DNA results, the Patterson-Gimlin film footage for Christ's sake, come on, man. Yeah, look, I love all that stuff too, I really do. But I can tell you with utmost certainty that every single one of those examples is mired in controversy. So what then, Bryce? What the fuck is going on? What are you positing? Well, I've thought a lot about that. And fortunately or unfortunately for you, dear listener, I have one. I propose that Bigfoot is a psychological archetype representing our species' past potential and its exit from the dark forests and into the blubbering life of a city dweller. It's us questioning whether or not we made the right move. Perhaps we should have stayed behind in nature and developed our senses and skills there. Maybe only then could we have avoided the planetary peril that we currently find ourselves in. But wait, there's more. Speaking of planetary peril and apocalyptic visions, let's take a look at what we generally refer to as the alien gray. Bobby, you know what I'm talking about, right? The, the alien gray with the big head, right? It's pretty much exact opposite of our primitive forest dweller. It has a huge brain for thinking and mind mechanics, a small mouth for kicking noises and food pills, maybe, I don't know. You ever heard of an account of a story where an alien gray is eating a steak? Yeah, me neither. And so I propose that this alien gray archetype represents our psychological future potential. And so now let us examine both of these images or archetypes juxtaposed against each other. We have Bigfoot at one end of the spectrum, representing our potential past, and the alien gray at the other end, representing our potential future. Which begs the question, where do we fit into all of this? To which I say, right in the middle, at the very center. We as humans are halfway between the nature man and the spaceman. When we encounter a Bigfoot in the woods or an alien gray on a spaceship, we are encountering alternate versions of ourselves. Now don't think that for one minute, what I'm saying is that these things are not real. Of course they're real, in the same sense that everything else is real. Real is defined as actually existing as a thing or occurring in fact, not imagined or supposed. And I agree with that. Michael did not imagine the thing in his window, nor did I imagine the devil in mine. They were real but that does not mean that they propagate throughout time. And so, I would like to propose my new theory. Oh shit. Novelty introduction for advanced evolution, or Nifei for short. Allow me to explain. Novelty is defined as the quality of being new, original, or unusual. Something intended to be amusing as a result of its new or unusual quality. And I'm reminded of the case of chicken farmer Joe Simonton, who claims that on April 18, 1961, a UFO landed at his farm in Eagle River, Wisconsin. Joe claimed that when he approached the craft, a metallic door opened to reveal three tiny Italian-looking aliens making pancakes atop their ship's flameless stovetop, of which they offered him a few in exchange for some water. Uh, what? Novelty. 
According to the National Library of Medicine, environmental novelty is associated with an increase in FOS expression in the output elements of the hippocampal formation and the perirhinal cortex. In other words, when something new and unexplainable enters into our environment, it causes a surge in neuroplasticity, i.e. our brains grow. Now, if our destiny is out there amongst the stars, which I believe it is, the novelty must be introduced into our environment in order for us to grow, change, adapt, and evolve. Biggie and ET allow us the opportunity to grapple with our own evolutionary tract and perhaps even our cosmic destiny. Which begs another question in all of this. Just who is introducing this novelty into our environment? Is it God? Is it the devil? Is it us in our collective unconscious? Or is it the star people themselves? I'm not quite sure about that. The jury's still out. I do know, however, that there's plenty of novelty to contend with. Dogmen, frogmen, lake monsters, lizard people, Sasquatch, Pleiadians, Venusians, mermen, merwomen, tin can pilots from Zeta Reticuli, and little green goblins. You name it. There's no shortage of the strange. We're awash in it. So instead of trying to figure out if Bigfoot is real or not, perhaps we should be asking ourselves a different question. Why are we seeing Bigfoot? Why are we seeing the alien gray? And what could it possibly all mean? To me, it's a telling sign that we are trapped, trapped in stasis between worlds. We've abandoned our deep spiritual connection with nature, which Bigfoot represents. And at the same time, we are relying solely on our technological prowess, devoid of any spirituality, to explore outer space, which I believe the alien gray represents. In other words, we are denying the true nature of ourselves. And so, we are being confronted with what we are not. We are not that primal primate, who has full faculty over his extrasensory perception and is in constant communion with nature. And we are not that fully conscious cosmonaut who boldly traverses the stars in either physical or ethereal form. But we can be. At least that's what I think. What do you think, dear listener? Wow. I mean, wow. you've got your TED Talk if you need it, Bryce, it's right here. It's it's here. I think I I I mean this is your. It's at the very least, it's your next op-ed piece about right. high strangeness. I've thought about this a lot, and it, you know, it, it makes sense to me. Uh, if there's anything, if there's if there's any making sense of any of it, you know, what do you think, Bobby? Uh, that was beautiful. Like I was enraptured by oh. by all of that. Um, I have a very uh, incomplete. Uh, philosophy minor from the University of Georgia. So that like took me all the way back to college um, and just thinking beyond what we see. Mm. Um, I, I love that. I love Bigfoot as like where we were and like the alien gray is where we could be. And like this meandering gray area that we find ourselves in right now. Mm. I love that. That's so great. Thank you. If it's evolving though, if we're evolving, then... When you say we're not that and we're not the alien, but aren't we, weren't we, and aren't we headed there? Or you're... I don't think so. I, th I think they represent potentialities. 
you know, I don't think there ever was what we think of Bigfoot in the past or or even today. And I don't know if I think that there ever is or is going to be the alien gray. You know, I, I, I think they're projections of our psyche, of our collective psyche. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that it cannot leave physical evidence like a footprint. Carl Jung, the famed Swiss psychologist, had no problem with physical psychic projection. He felt that psychic projection could manifest physically in our 3D world. So, of course, a UFO can land on a chicken farm in Wisconsin. And, of course, an alien gray can show up in your bedroom window. And it's going to be real. But... Like I said, what the fuck is real? First of all, it was my know. living room window, not my <laughs> bedroom window. And if you don't know what he's talking about, we tell this story in our very first episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club. Yes. My dogs woke me up barking at something in a window, and it looked a lot like an alien gray. I've never seen it before or after. Um. So what you're saying, Bryce, Bobby, help me out here if, if, you, if you so choose to. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is like basically our subconscious or our collective unconscious is sort of 3D printing, for lack of a better term, these archetypes mm. into our world. And that there's some sort of 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 like projected living waking dream. I think I think you said that exactly right. Absolutely. When we encounter novelty, I think I think something happens within our brain chemistry and possibly even within the environment around us. You know, you often hear that um, you know, before a UFO appears, the sound goes completely out. You know, same with Bigfoot. The sound of nature just stops. Sometimes people even hear a metallic buzzing noise, you know? What is that? What's going on there? And, and, and you know, I, I don't know if it's us or I don't know if it's or if it's something outside of us. You know, I, I do believe that there that there is a, call it what you will, a creator, uh, uh, a great unforeseen, uh, un, unseen force of the universe, and perhaps that's what's, you know, delivering us these images, you know? I, I don't know. Um, but I do know that uh, there can't be that many fucking Bigfoots across the globe, right? I mean, come on, what are we talking about here? I mean, to me... It just feels like maybe you haven't looked hard enough, Bryce, because you've <laughs> got a show and you I've haven't got, got one. You gotta to work. Do. Well, hopefully we work get a little harder. Five and I can and I can explore further. Bryce, <laughs> I mean Bobby, excuse me. Any all it takes is a, all it takes is a name to start with the same letter these days for my brain. Bobby, any final thoughts on maybe the construction of reality and whether or not we're psychically projecting these beings into our world or something outside of us might be dreaming them into existence? Honestly, like, I think that, like, us kind of, like, psychically mapping beings Mm -hmm. into our world makes a lot of sense. A lot of monsters that are super duper popular, especially within, like, the horror genre or reflections of our societal fears and so that doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that we could somehow be able to extract all of these internal fears or you know like 
rumblings in our head or anything like that. Like, it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility for that to manifest in the in the the conscious. And then especially then when we then go make movies that reflect that idea back at us again, and suddenly we're in this sort of like feedback, feedback loop. loop, you know, yeah. where we're, mm-hmm. we're just looking at the, you know, and then it's ping-ponging through time between Pretty us much, yeah. between between us and it. I don't know, you pr- pretty pretty heady stuff this week Bryce, but fun stuff to think about. Mm-hmm. Get those get those wheels turning. Bobby, we're wrapping up <laughs> our session here in the clubhouse. Thank you so much for being part of the show and being our guest. Where can people find the afternoon special? Where can people find you? You're very active on TikTok and all the other social medias, probably ones we've never even heard of. So <laughs> Where can our <laughs> listeners find and follow you? Um, you can find me at the afternoon special on Instagram and on TikTok. I make video essays about all things pop culture. Um, you can find me on Twitter at hi I'm Bobby H I I M B O B B I, where I am uh, yelling and screaming about all things. Uh, so if that sounds good, then that's where I am. Um, And my podcast, The Afternoon Special. I post an episode every single Wednesday, and uh, you never know what you're going to get. It's a real mixed bag, uh, but it's a fun time, I think. Awesome. I'm biased. Yeah, check out the episode that that I did. Start there. Why not? You, Michael was my first guest, and... I think it was first guest, best guest to me. Great. Love it. Woo-hoo. Only guest? Maybe. We'll find out. <laughs> um, Not the only guest. But. <laughs> all right, Club Scouts, as we're wrapping this up, do us a solid favor. Please follow and rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. If you write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we might read it on the show like this one that Bryce has got for you. The Dragon Aquarius writes, college students love the BCC boys. I've been listening to these guys since I was an undergraduate in college, so of course I had to drag the BCC boys to grad school with me. Hell yeah! They keep my spirits up during difficult semesters, and I love the company Michael Bryce and Riley give me while researching my papers. My favorite guests are Craig Ferguson and Johnny L. Tenney. Gotta have his friend and co-host Jessica Napick on the pod sometime. Looking forward to your 2023 content. Five stars. Awesome. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much. Dragon Aquarius. The Dragon Aquarius. Excuse us. Good luck on uh, your next test. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have Jess gone. We'll definitely get her on the show this year. Uh, if you it. want to follow, if you want more BCC, you can join our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, for three additional exclusive episodes every month. That's over at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and on TikTok. We're on TikTok now. I mean, I'm starting to put more stuff up at BCC Pod. Uh, right in with your personal spooky story at bigfootcollectorsclub at gmail.com. And uh, not only was I recently on Bobby's show, I was recently on the podcast Lost, Found, and Rewound, Rewound, co-hosted by Chris from Sun Eaters. We chatted about my favorite horror movie of all time. Bobby, I don't know if you have an opinion on this. Hereditary. Uh, Terrifying. Terrifying. 10 out of 10 terrifying. Yeah, exactly. So check that out. Also check out my other podcast, Let Your Name. We are in between seasons right now, but the first two seasons are up. Follow me on Instagram at McMills and hit me up on Cameo for a personalized video for yourself or a loved one. Bryce, what do you got? I'll tell you, I'm gonna. I'm just going to plug for you, the new listener. Thanks for coming on aboard. I hope you enjoy this journey with us that we've been on. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's a hell of a ride. Uh, thanks for being part of the uh, the Club Scout family. We're happy to have you. 
Great. Okay, we're crossing over to the other side for a listener-prompted, out-there conversation. Things always get weird when we do one of those. If we don't see you there, we'll see you back here next week for an all-new episode of BCC. Until then, good night. And go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Club. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.